You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Jason here with Two Sides of Phi. We have a guest joining us in this episode who we met in a fire-themed server on Discord. I wanted to share her story here. A few notes before we jump into it. This is a great example of the diverse reasons why people choose Phi. As you'll learn, family health issues set Catherine on her path, largely as a means to ensure her financial security should she encounter issues of her own as she ages. Catherine is 25 years old and is a full-time traveling medical professional in the Northeast U.S. So, Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much for your time. To the extent that you're comfortable talking about it, like, I want to learn your backstory. Like, Jason and I, you know, we started off the early episodes just kind of presenting where we came from, how this kind of financial awakening happened for me, how Jason kind of found fire. It'd be nice to paint the picture of the behind the scenes, like family, if you're willing to talk about it, the operating system that was kind of installed in you personally for, for me. Uh, you know, we, I grew up in a house that didn't have a lot of means. Um, and so that kind of shaped some of the decisions moving forward. I, I'd like to, I'd like to hear you talk about your background. Okay, I will go and start with a story to kind of describe the area that I grew up in. I was a part of a internship when I was 17 and I graduated high school. It was with Wells Fargo Bank. And they went and they chose a bunch of people who were really committed to community service. And they wanted to go and pair them up with local nonprofits to go and, and spread our, our knowledge, our drive to deserving people in our local community. So they paired me up with uh, a Boys and Girls Club. But what they also did was they sent us to, I guess, a conference in Washington, D.C. So there were only 250 of us chosen. Oh, wow. And I was the only one chosen in my half of the state, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up being there and we had this seminar and pretty much what they were trying to go and discuss was how different somebody's life was sitting next to you. So mm -hmm. they handed us out these flyers and they'd say Montgomery County, Philadelphia, for example, they would go. This is the percent of people who graduated high school. This is the percent of people who have a degree. This is the percent of people who have Wi-Fi, whose family is on food stamps, so on and so forth. So I'm looking around at my table and everybody seems pretty, pretty wealthy from what I'm looking at. Uh -huh. Like my version of wealth is somebody has a two-story house and then these people are having incomes of like 100K a year. And... Mine, for example, was maybe 20K. Um, we didn't have a lot of high school graduates, so on and so forth. But they went and asked the question to everybody in the room. They said, raise your hand if you know somebody who is on assistance, food stamp. I raised my hand. So maybe 15, 20 other people raised their hand. And they said, raise your hand if you or your immediate family is using these services. And I was the only one who put my hand up. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I feel like I grew up really nice in the area that I came from. But I guess to put that in perspective, there was a lot to overcome. When I was in high school, 
even though my parents were like, separated, they both became pretty sick at the same time. And they had to medically stop working before they hit 50, both of them. Oh, wow. So wow. that was a wild ride. And I just looked at that and I looked at my circumstances around me and I said, wow, I have to do something to make sure that this isn't me. What age was that, Catherine? The conference or my parents? When you had this kind of epiphany? I think it was 15, sophomore 15? Wow. Yeah. So you had visibility into the finances of your household, obviously, if you knew your house was $20,000 a year versus everyone else who's five times that. How did that come to be? Was it something you always sort of confronted growing up? You know, we don't have the means to send you here to this or that or activities or was it, I mean, you said you felt like it was a normal sort of comfortable existence for you. So how did you, how did you start this kind of comparison? Well, I had a family who cared and I lived in a nice one story house, which I thought was very comfortable. And then I go to summits like these or I meet friends online and it just hits me that nobody is really living like this. Seeing all their friends living like this, this is my reality. That's that's incredible to have that that opportunity to see that. Yeah, that perspective. It's it's so much responsibility. I mean, as someone who's 15, I feel like I, I had some visibility into my parents' finances and you know, certain things would happen in the household that would make me uncomfortable. And there was always kind of talk around money, but it sounds like maybe they, you understood this, but, but maybe you were shielded from it in some way. Is that right? They were, they were trying to give you what they could. Um, but did you bear the burden of that kind of responsibility? They definitely did the absolute best they can. And I do praise them for that. I went to school and it was okay high school I guess it was just really big and people from all backgrounds were there and I guess they were neighborhoods that were a little bit more fortunate than mine because um, these people would go and talk in our politics class about oh you know people who are on welfare are so lazy mm-hmm. and how do their parents like live with themselves like that and I just be sitting in the corner it was that, tough that's incredibly difficult Especially at that, if I think about the high school yeah. experience itself, is just being fraught with all kinds of emotional uh, distress. Just, I mean, even when you have enough money, when you don't have enough, and your situation looks so different than all of your friends. Oh man. So if I can, Catherine, it sounds to me like because of the experiences you had you learned those things before you knew of the existence of this FIRE concept. Is that right? Oh, definitely. I was on the personal finance subreddit, and there was this joke account going around at the time called VTSAX and Chill. Uh, Yes. Uh, Jay, do you know the one I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. So I'm like, what is this man talking about? I go over to his profile and I see he's posting on the FIRE community all the time. And I'm like, what does he have to say? Um, I look at him and I look at, you know, his information and he's talking about Vanguard. Okay, Vanguard, what is this? You know, looking on the Boglehead subreddit, looking at the boring three-fund portfolio. And I was like, you know what? 
I am not a daytime stock trader. But let me see how this little boring distribution goes. The best I can do with the money at my, uh, you know, job and coming up with my own individual IRA. Oh, my God. Like, I thought I was a genius for that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's an amazing feeling, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you were a genius compared to us who took a lot longer than you did to come to this point. So good on you. (laughs) So, Catherine, you, you you told us a lot about what I call your why, right? Like, how did you get yeah. on a path? How did you get in a mind state where you knew you wanted to get to a different spot? Now, you've already told us you're looking at financial independence. You're looking at Bogleheads uh, pretty early on. At some point in that, I assume you stumbled upon a sort of crystallization of a concept that we call fire. Can you tell me a little yes. bit about what that was like and how that clicked and what kind of that inspired you to do? It was not so much the read but the five that I liked because I kind of expected the read to happen because it's already happened with my parents if that makes any sense so I don't know if read's gonna happen but if it does then like great but the five like saving up what I can being responsible for what I can and just letting that grow until like my body stops working what I'm hearing you say is because of the situation your parents found themselves in, being unable to work, that you, to guard against that happening to you, you wanted to achieve financial independence earlier in life than you might otherwise following a normal working trajectory. Did, did I state that correctly? Yes. Okay. So what, did, what actions did that inspire you to take? What flavor of, uh, you, you're focused on, on FI, so is this coast fire or what are you aiming to do? What, what did you determine as your fire goals that you're working against today? I guess coast would be the closest to what's out there that I want. I'm not really saying I want a whole bunch of money so I could go out and travel. I mean, that would be nice, but like I want enough money just, just to live. So I want to save a lot, you know, and be smart and do what I can when this money I guess can compound into something a lot bigger because I read somewhere that what you do from 20 to 29, like say you put in a dollar and then that goes to 60 and then you put in another dollar from, I guess, 30 to 60, it's going to be worth just the same. So I'm like, why don't I just knock it all out in the beginning and then see what grows, see what I can do. Yeah. One of the incredible things that I find about your story is that you're in your 20s and you've discovered this thing, which I'm just coming to 20 years after you in life, you know? And I'm looking at this going, you're so, it's pretty profound to, to be thinking about life in these terms. But I think it also forces you to, I don't know, you're making decisions about, I don't know if you have a phi number in mind. I pres- I'm presuming you do. Um, but how do you set, yeah. how do you set that? There might I'm not, not be an even answer. sure how I got to my number. I guess just pick a regular household income for the state that I live in. The mm-hmm. Northeast is very expensive. I know what I live on now, and I know healthcare is going to be crazy. So like I kind of upped it so that I can compensate for them because I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. So right. I think I set it for, I guess, chubby fire territory, but it's not that I really want that. I just... I want to make sure something happens, I'm able to do something about it. Right. So with a coast fire approach, 
Generally, what that means is you want to save, 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 just like you talked about, to a certain number, because from that point on, even if you don't contribute further, just by the, the portfolio doing what it will, building in accordance with the stock market performance, it will grow to the point where even if you didn't contribute further to it, you would be able to live on those assets, withdraw from them in a normal fashion. At a certain point. By right? a certain point, like 65, for example, or whatever that age is. Um, did yes. I frame that up right? And that fits kind of the, your approach? That's exactly my approach. You got it spot on. Did you choose 65 or 59 and a half when you could start reaching into your retirement accounts? Or how, how does that work? I would like to say it'll be to 59 or 67 or whatever. But looking at my background, the people I have to compare it to, it's not very realistic to say 67 or 65, you know? I, I kind of have to think earlier, so I need to think bigger so that if I don't hit that, like at least I will have something. Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, so there's a set of different factors that are shaping your decision. Yeah, definitely. And I know that's a very unusual mindset to go and take on. What you've just said to Eric makes me think about is the two very important axes of risk tolerance and risk capacity. And risk tolerance gets talked about a lot. That's just how aggressive am I? How, am I more of a gambler or am I much more conservative? Risk capacity is how much risk you can bear. And that's driven by so many things about our individual circumstances. So your risk capacity is lower based on the things that you are thinking about, the things that your family has experienced from a, a health and well-being perspective. And that makes perfect sense to me that you would be thinking about it differently. It's so wonderful for us to get the chance to talk to somebody early in their FIRE journey because yes. Eric and I are sitting here on these old episodes and you're watching me struggle to remember what I was thinking when I was in my early 20s, which again yeah. is 25 years ago plus. And I can get it sort of right, but I'm still retelling. And I know how much my number changed over time. I knew how much my projected, desired, hopeful target retirement date changed over time. So what yeah. you're talking about, this uncertainty, it doesn't need to be excused. It's completely normal. Totally um, normal. We're catching you early on this curve, and it's just great that people watching this show get the chance to see someone going through this early questioning and decision-making. Honestly, I think you're so much more, like your mind is so much more together on this than mine was at a similar age. So that's to be commended, not like questioned. First of all, thank you very much. And your second point about the whole, I guess me having a lower risk tolerance, is that what you said? Lower risk capacity. Like Eric and I being so no buns, right? I thought, wow, I am just so risky and now you're throwing this in my face and I'm I'm sitting here processing something that I never really thought of like I didn't even combine those two together it never occurred to me that both of them have to do with risk until you mentioned it I tell you man I'm still learning something every single day about financial well-being about personal finance like it never stops I, but you have learned so many of the big vital core lessons already i mean oh, just God think of yes. how early you're talking about looking at bogleheads right just having that fundamental knowledge about man just an intentional lazy portfolio buying broad market and investing as early as you can like you just ticked off like some of the like the top 3 things that will put you <laughs> ahead of 90% 
of investors uh, in the world. <laughs> so give yourself a little more credit. Oh man, that's Thank amazing. You. <laughs> and honestly, if you don't know, if you think the timeline is far in the future, and I, I, there's no, I personally don't think there's any sense in having bonds in your portfolio. I mean, of course, this is not investment advice in any way, as you know, but right. I think you're doing the right things based on what you're saying. So, so Catherine, you've, you're 25, as you've said. Um, so, yeah. and you went to college, so that means you've probably got what, four or five years of post-college professional work experience at this point? Three. Okay. Three. Jason can't do math today. Um, <laughs> are you, Watch are, that portfolio. is your focus presently all retirement savings, Roth IRA? Tell us a little bit about what your, your saving strategy is at the moment. Strategy? I just kind of throw as much as I can. I, I recently started this travel job. Let me put that out there. And Please. the pay structure is a completely different animal. We get, you know, stipends, as you may or may not know, you know, tax-free income. They'll give you a place to live while you go and you travel and you do this work for the hospital. Oh. Let's just say they give you, I don't know, 3000 a month and your rent is 1500 You have $1,500 in your hand to do nothing with for a whole month. So you put that savings account, put it in a taxable. Like, I, I've i never had that much, I guess, to either focus on housing with or you know, save money with. Right. So I guess this is new to me. I guess just shove everything into accounts and see what happens. So you're loading up pre-tax first? Um. Hold oh, this on. is yeah. yes, yes. Okay, yeah. I'm I just have to wondering. think about what that was for a minute. Hold on, because I switched from a, a four hundred three to a four hundred one, and I'm like, is he even talking about that or the IRA? No, you're talking about books. Okay. Yeah, right any yeah, sort of pre-tax contributions to re- traditional retirement accounts, whether that's four hundred three b, any of those. Yeah, but it sounds like you also have some tax taxable accounts too, right? My first one was this year. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say it. It's like some crazy amount. Because I have seen people in that Discord with like massive amounts of money saved. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not there yet. But Obviously, the most important thing is to start saving, right? And you can sort of tune your strategy as you go. And as you mentioned, people on the Discord are also at different points in their journey and loading up retirement assets versus brokerage. And some of that depends upon the age at which you intend to start drawing right? How much time do you think you have to cover? Yeah. Which of course is a finger to the wind at this point <laughs> yeah. in your Absolutely. life at 25, but making sure that you have that brokerage account that you can draw from later. Um, but you know, there's a lot of ways to think about that breakdown, but just being doing the saving is obviously the most important. And so this has allowed you to do, I mean, you're talking about just basically taking everything that you don't need to live which it sounds like a lot of your living expenses are covered by this job and then dumping it into your savings. So is that 75% of what you make? Is it 50%? Do you have any idea? Okay. Um, it really depends. Some months I'll stay with a friend or I was in a relationship before staying with them or sometimes I need to stay in a hotel right now. I'm staying at my parents. It has changed so freaking much that I cannot pinpoint anything right now. Sure. Yeah. I just okay. do what I can. But yeah. I think I think somebody on the Discord tried to like calculate my rate 
and it was ridiculously high and I, I don't think I managed to like upkeep that oh god do you remember what it was Jay I don't remember but uh, you're north of 50 percent right yeah yeah that's what I thought that's that's what I recall so you are hyper saving right now um and you're it sounds like you're you're hacking your lifestyle right now around this job, which does change month to month, and particularly housing, which as we know for most of us is our biggest expense, if not you know, one of our biggest expenses. We've talked about the Discord server. So that, that's just a chat server, basically, is what people can think about it as. And there happens to be servers dedicated to certain topics. In this case, we're talking about one that's dedicated to fire. And that is how we uh, came upon each other can you tell us, you know, tell our audience a little bit about what that server is and why you find it a valuable tool as part of your FIRE journey? Oh, absolutely. So um, I was on Reddit one day and there was somebody who made a post talking about where are all the young people on here? I'm so sick of hearing about people who make $200,000 a yes. year reaching their goals at 30. Like I want something more realistic now, I saw this, and I think it was Bones who posted. I, I'm just so sick of seeing this. Like, let's do something about it. I think it was maybe the ninth or tenth person who joined the server and never really left. All of us coming together, all of us like in our 20s, to sit there and like talk about our hobbies. Like, this is so cool. I'm curious about the this idea of you finding community around an income. Is it income or is it also like, okay, there are people that look like me making what I'm making and we are also, we're all kind of moving toward financial independence. Is that, is that the core of what you find there or? I think it would lean more towards the second one, but there's still a lot of people in different fields. I guess it's the um, idea of that we're young and we still have control over something like this rather than oh, we are all in the FANG community or yes. something like that. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing it's, about it, Catherine. It's a diverse range of people and ages, um, almost entirely U.S.-based. So I think one aspect that could make it even more interesting is more of an international presence. And maybe when we post the link to this in the description, we're suddenly going to get an influx of international uh, folks, and that will be wonderful. Uh, but to what Catherine said, totally true. Different uh, walks of life, different uh, chosen careers, uh, very different income levels, people who are certainly going a very lean fire route, people who are much more towards the chubby fire side or even fat fire, people who want to retire much, much sooner than others, and people who are closer to the, the point where you and I are talking, Eric. And yes, uh, also coast fire people like Catherine. And, and I think it's for me personally, I find it rewarding just to hear from people of different, all those different worldviews and different experiences. And my earnest hope as a post-fire person being there is that on rare occasion, I might have some perspective that I could offer that might help somebody in a small way. I certainly learn a lot from all of them um, and it's helped me a lot in just understanding even what somebody who might be watching this show would be thinking about and wanting to ask about. Because I see all these great questions come up every yeah. day. And gosh, the quality yeah. of financial advice that some of these folks have in their early to mid-20s, it's just remarkable. And it's, it's really commendable. And it's, it's just a, it's a delight to see such informed, well-intentioned people interacting, to be honest. What it sounds like to me is if, if you don't have this place where you, a safe space at home 
or amongst your sort of call it your original friend group that you're growing going to high school with and moving through college with you don't have that support structure you, you almost need this group of people who can expand the narrative and what's possible and it sounds like this this maybe serves that function for you Catherine like you can take your ideas and thoughts and bring it to this group and they can say that's totally possible and you could also do this you know it's because it's nice to have that you know as I look to Jason the narrative of like, oh, well, that is possible. It is actually possible to earn that amount of money. So it's not just like reserved for a set group of people. It, and that, you know, the group of people that can earn that can look like me. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's that's super interesting and, and important. Catherine, do you agree with that? Or what would you add to that? Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. There's definitely some people who learn more from other people. And sorry <laughs> if I sound like a fangirl, but I know... You and I come from rather similar career backgrounds. And when I watched that episode with you and Lori talking, I was just like, wow, there's so many opportunities that I can go to with like a general science background. And there's somebody like me. The best thing for me about this is just being like, like Jason said, we, we have two stories here. And I feel like we get pretty myopic at, at a certain point. We're used to talking in our own little sort of box here. And so to bring someone on who is intelligent and like financially aware and like actually heading toward this goal 20 years before us 25 years before us is like it's completely amazing to me and totally inspiring and it's like the kind of thing that i want to show to my kids to say like don't ignore this stuff this is this is super important Catherine, just the story you've told already you know, puts to bed the idea or the false notion that some people have, some critics, honestly, of the fire community that, well, if you're not a Silicon Valley software engineer, you can't do this. You have to be in a high-tech career, fast earner path, uh, you know, Ivy League, uh, you know, wealthy background already. That's the only way you can do fire. So you've already put it to bed that that's absolutely not true. Um, but the second question, or, or statement, I guess, that gets made, it's not usually asked as a question. Well, if you don't have a college degree, there's no way FIRE is achievable. What would you say to that? I think that if you become a master at your craft, there's always a way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the way you put that. I, I, a quote that I have used so many times in my life, and I'll give full credit to the Money Guy show for this one, is it doesn't matter what area of work you want to go into, just be top 5% in it and you can achieve <laughs> yeah. anything in life. Now, now maybe that's not, people don't think that's within their means, but I, I earnestly believe it is. But I, I also believe that anything that you are sufficiently dedicated to, if you advocate for yourself, if you, you know, take steps to achieve, you can do anything, right? Millionaire Next Door, Wealthy Barber, right? These Dr. Thomas Stanley books and some others, like make it very clear mathematically that fire is within anyone's means. You know, you the age at which you can achieve it and the lifestyle that you want to have post-financial independence absolutely determines what those numbers look like. But I earnestly believe and have seen many examples of people on the Discord server and elsewhere that show it's achievable for anyone. It's just, it's a choice. It's a, it's a valid lifestyle choice like any other you would make, including working until 72 years old. Whatever your choice is, that's a path that I believe is achievable for anybody. Do you, do you have any way of talking about what you're making? Because as Jason makes the point, anybody can do this on any salary. Kind of nice to have some, some guardrails. Um, when I was in my first job, 
I purposely did the job, so I worked the hours nobody wanted to work. I worked the holidays, the nights, the weekends. <laughs> and that came at a really pretty penny. Really amazing, great money. Sure. My base pay, I, I think it was somewhere around 40 to 50, but you can definitely add on some money from that. Like, okay. my diff alone was like $7 an hour. So that's okay. a whole like, minimum wage job, like, on top of that. And there's all these extra overtime bonuses and this and that. And, like, you, sure. you could really, if you wanted to go and make that money, you could. But that okay. job was taxed. This, uh-huh. this travel stuff is, you know, a whole different animal because part of the money I get is taxed. So if I go and I say, let's just say I make 100 k a year, it's not the same as if I made 100 k a year at my full-time job because it's taxing everything. Like yeah. this, you know, we have our, our stipend and then we have our, our taxable and my taxable is like not, you know, the highest, but the stipend is great. So, hey, I get more money. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's very difficult to quantify, but the benefits are just like great. And I would say if I'm looking at straight base pay for both the jobs, they're about the same. But the things that you add on top of it really made this a really cool career decision. So would you say that's the thing that's allowed you to really heavily invest in this? Like, let's say you're saving 50 percent of your income. Is it, would you just, would you be able to do this if you were working the base pay? The base pay alone? Like yeah. no night shift, no anything? Yeah. Oh God, I don't want to discourage people, but I don't think I would have. Interesting. Okay. So you think the savings, the, the ability to save, hyper save is due to you kind of hacking this model a little bit and kind of making it right and saying like, this is really what I want. So I'm going to make some sacrifices here and, and get that. Yes, but I feel like in most fields, that's a really big deal. In healthcare, people always have to be there. There's other people working right beside you with those crappy hours. I have a, a guy I work with, makes the same type of money. He bought a Tesla. I have a little Nissan. I don't, I don't find the need for all that. You know, he's going on a vacation. I wanted a weekend trip. You know, it's, it's not yeah. that big of a deal what you spend your money on, but I feel like... I'm doing what's best for me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And you're and you're so you're clearly using the strategy of deferred gratification. You're doing things to take care of yourself now, but you're not necessarily making lavish purchases because it allows you to save more for future state. Oh yeah, I love going out to eat like little corner pansy restaurants. I wanted oh, yeah. to try beef Wellington. So I was a kid. I did it. It was great. No regrets. That's great. Stuff like that. It, it, it could be expensive, okay. it could be cheap. See, this is why um, we get along. Because every so often, I want the nice dinners, too. And <laughs> maybe I'm more... Uh, my discretion is higher, as I've talked about on the show, uh, uh, on my post-fire budget. But, man, it's nice to treat yourself or your family every so often. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it helps a lot that I don't drink. I am, like, a 100% hydro homey water drinker. <laughs> so I feel like it saves... A lot of money to spend. Oh God, yes. yeah. Totally. Beautiful food. Do you have any milestones that you're working toward? Like, is there like a one million milestone, five million milestone, like anything like that, or do you do you not track it? No, 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 no. Hold on. Today was a very momentous day. Oh. Yeah, 
Um, so I, I was telling Jay a little bit about it in, um, can you break oh. the news? Yeah. Today yeah, you, you crossed your $150,000 net worth. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Wow. That's Congratulations, insane. man. That's awesome. My God. At 25, you're 25, right? Yeah. I, I just turned 25. Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Congrats. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to look back. I do myself. not want to Thank look you. back and see when I crossed that. It's like so good that that stuff's probably on paper and maybe I even shredded it because I don't want to know when I crossed that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I'm not 25, I'll tell you that. <laughs> nope. Honestly, that's an incredible feat. So if you yeah. haven't heard anyone say that to you, that's, that's super Bravo. amazing. And I'm, I'm super proud of you for doing that. Bravo. I mean, that, just to think about that amount of money at 25 is like... <laughs> Thank you, Good for you so much. It means yeah. a lot, you know? Because the yeah. flip side of that, and something Eric and I have talked about a lot, is that tendency especially if suddenly earlier in your career you start making more money, you know, even if it's by your own doing, right? I am working extra hours. I am doing weekends and holidays and whatever, right? You're deliberately going after that money. That tendency to have lifestyle creep and say, I deserve this because, right, you do deserve it. You're working really hard. The tendency to do that, that's the normal the trend, right? You yes. see that lifestyle expansion, buying the Tesla like your colleague. There's, there's no judgment against that but you are actively taking a different path. That is the key to fire. You're, de well, you're dedicating yeah. your efforts to putting that money towards that future goal. And it's very commendable. I'll tell you my, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I could tell you my upgrades throughout the years if you'd like, right? <laughs> so, you know, starting a full-time job, having my own health insurance, number one greatest gift I could give myself ever, yeah. 22, 23, you know, worked on that, worked on that debt a lot. And got my own place, my own place. It's, yeah. Wow. And then you know, so on and so forth. And here I am, 25. So, how do you monitor your progress? Do you use any apps or personal capital to to follow net worth or any other values? How do you know how you're doing? I am a big fan of personal capital. I started using it somewhat recently, and I think it really gives a good financial picture, so you know what you're doing and where your money's going. Um, I can connect like the credit cards to it too to see yeah. how much I'm spending on there. I love that because I hate logging into those apps. I don't know, they are just the bane of my existence. So going on the app and saying, hey, I actually owe money on this credit card this month. Better go pay that. Super helpful. Yeah. But I also use um, a spreadsheet. We have an absolute spreadsheet master in our Discord. Yes, we and do. I love her to death. <laughs> and she has helped me so much with the spreadsheet like she got my my number down to what I should be uh, saving to the day the oh. literal day yeah so it's, the number changes every day because it's a little bit more you know with inflation and age and so on and so forth but this absolute angel helped me out with all of it because I suck at Excel or should I say Google Sheets but you know she sat there and she worked with me and my sheet it isn't the best in the world like hers is definitely Whew. Nobody's sheet looks like hers. No. <laughs> it's got so many graphs and things, and it's totally built in Google Sheets, and it looks like a piece of financial software. Oh, jeez, yeah. freaking crazy. Like, Eric, you, you need to see this one day. It's amazing. Oh, man. But they scare mine, me. 
mine's a cute little table and a graph, and I like little rainbows. So I go and I, I put little rainbows in line. So I think it's cute. I like it. Totally. So you are nomadic now. Do you ever see that changing? And I'm thinking in the terms of like big purchases, like will you ever want a house? Or does this nomadic lifestyle just perfectly fit you and you think here to eternity, that's what it will be? I don't know off the top of my head, but my friend, uh, my best friend is getting a place kind of close to his job that has really nice access to highways. And he's like, I can make it a two bedroom if you want, you know, just you want to stay with me you can do that i like having the option but i like having the option to go elsewhere if i want to yeah what what do you call that well i think you you don't want to own a house i mean because if if i think about the big purchases i've made in my life a house is tops so if i'm thinking about saving for a house for example you know that's that's another big financial commitment on the on the ledger sheet. And it sounds like that's not of interest to you necessarily. And you found a, a great way to make a living being a nomad in a way, right? So why change yeah. it? But I wonder if that idea would change over time. My best friend brought this up maybe a couple weeks ago. He was like, Catherine, I want to own a house. I'm going to the bank and I'm going to figure this out. And now he's like, yeah, you can rent for me or you can just own this house together. No big deal. And I'm just like, what? I I never really thought, I, I was always such a big, uh, you put down the 20% and you have to have all this extra money for all this extra stuff. And my friend is just going in head first. And he's like, come with me. And the opportunity never really crossed my mind until he kind of forced it in there. Yeah. So yeah, that's another one of my existential crises right now. Yeah, it's big. I mean, it's something big to consider for sure. But it's kind of cool that you have a friend who's willing to explore the options with you. Because I hadn't actually yeah. thought of, you know, that I would go in on a house with someone else. I just, I just always thought that's ah, all my responsibility if I want to do that. And that's a big chunk of money, as you know. Condos are not that bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the avenue my friend wants to go on. And I'll say, I don't know, 50k around that cost for like a two bedroom you know something really nice and i didn't wow. know those options existed like in the northeast like this is crazy so yeah, yeah. i don't know i i hope they get their lives together but if they want me to join like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to find something like that again right yeah yeah so that definitely leaves me with a lot of choices even if totally. i don't like contribute all of that with my friend like i could just rent from them i, I don't know yeah it's another well, option. Lots of choices. If I think back to when I was in my 20s, like having options was, you know, that was more valuable than anything else. And when you buy a house, you limit your options. <laughs> yeah. So you at least yeah. want to have thought through it all the way. It's not to say buying a house is a bad option, but right, you're just saying like, you know, be thoughtful, right? You, you know, when the time is right, it's a, it's a totally valid choice, but having options is its own kind of freedom. Yeah, owning a house yes. is, limits your options for sure. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> like, does. No what. Yeah, good, but bad, but I, yeah, indifferent. Uh, <laughs> Catherine, a very different kind of question here, if I can. All right, let's go. We've got a, a diverse audience who watches this show, but a very large segment of it are people between 20 and 25, 25 and 30, who are either just starting to explore firing and their comments will suggest they've just discovered it and they want to learn more about it or they're just getting on the path. 
everyone's situation, of course, is different. I'm not asking you to give financial advice, but for somebody interested in this path, what would you say can help them get started or what kind of thoughts would you throw out there? A thought I would throw out there. Um, I have two. Well, number one, we went and we mentioned the milestone, right? I have only been at this for two years. That, that's it. So you know what? It can be done. You don't need a bunch of time to do it. If you really put your mind to that. And I don't think this year yet, I've broken 100K. So you don't need to be super rich to do it either, you know? Yeah, Um, so your income itself, even with all the overtime and what have you and all of that, you haven't crossed that. No, but then again, this is just um, with my full-time job. I don't know how it's going to work this year, but I don't think I'm there yet either. But we had a couple months, you know? But um, second, find something you love and spend on it guilt-free. I like going and limiting yourself and living like a monk is just going to make you miserable. I love food. I'm gonna go and buy whatever food I want. I don't care. It makes me happy. If you like cars or computers or guitars, whatever, you know, just do it. And if you're really like that self-conscious about it, put it in the budget. One of the things that I really like about your style of fire and let's just like the closest thing i can relate to is coast fire yeah right um or coast fi since you retiring is not really in your lexicon there um when i think about that as compared with me discovering fire just a couple years ago and i'm on this accelerated path like oh i gotta get here the difference between how you're talking about spending on things to improve your life you know, spending on things guilt-free that you're interested in. The difference there and to where I'm at is I feel like I can overdo fire and just overdo the savings. Like, save, 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 like 100%. Like, if I could save 100% of what we brought in, I probably would, which means I'm avoiding living life and enjoying some of the things now. And I think about my kids who are getting ready to leave the house and go off to college and think, oh, geez, like, what am I actually giving up? So I appreciate the perspective of this. You've got a goal. You're headed toward a goal. You're saving aggressively, but you're also remembering to enjoy life. And I I love having that perspective. Well, thank you totally. so much for uh, praising that. <laughs> if I think about, you know, you're looking for people probably on this path that you're on to relate to. What can you give to, to that person who's in a similar position? Like they're looking at you and saying, like, much like you looked at Jason and said, hey, I could be that. What, how can someone who's younger than you by 10 years look up to you and say, I want to do that? What can, you, what can you tell that person? It's a great question. Considering where I grew up in the circumstances, just informing them that it's even possible, but I know there's probably better answers. Like, if you grow up in, I don't know, San Francisco, everybody knows about money, everybody's making money, kids already know about all that. Like, we had a little course in high school, but it was never crazy. So, like, there's a difference between knowing how to write a check and knowing what a savings account is. I, I don't even I don't even think they know what a savings account is. Like I'll take my half sister for example. She's uh, 14. I had to sit there and explain to her what a savings account was. So <laughs> there's like a lot of groundwork, and I have to teach everything. 
Yeah. If, and you know, they really want to go on that. And it, you, you basically, you're self-taught, right? I mean, you used online tools and communities to teach yourself these things. So how do people find those places? How did I even stumble upon it myself? I, I think it was the way that my, my values were that like I knew I needed to find a solution to that problem. But I don't, I don't know. I, I guess if they have that same like type of drive, they could. But mine was more out of necessity. No, I can totally relate yeah. to that. I mean, you're searching for a way to improve your life and, you know, seeing one thing and not wanting that and saying, well, I need to search for another. And I think there's a lot of people who want to shortcut the process. And what, what yes. I've heard from you is like there there aren't shortcuts um, necessarily, but with hard work and like a vision, like a long-term goal and a vision, it is possible at any income. And I like hearing your backstory and where you came from and how those things influenced and shaped the path that you're writing for yourself. And also the fact that you don't really know where it's going to lead next. Like you can't see beyond the headlights. Like there's an excitement to that. There's a little bit of terror associated with that. Um, And I imagine given your personality and just getting to know you here, that you're going to continue to do this same level of research and critical thinking as it applies to whatever the next steps in your five journey are. And it seems like you're tracking all the right metrics. So congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Echo all that. Well done. So Catherine, you were one of the sort of first people who I connected with and who was interested in coming on the show. And I just want to thank you for being so forthcoming with your story, your willingness to take your time. I mean, you have a difficult work schedule. Uh, You made yourself available. Uh, Really just appreciate the conversation that you've, you've had with us here today. I couldn't have said it better. I, yes, super thanks. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being willing to come on camera and be forthcoming with all the details of uh, what is a pretty, I think, a pretty amazing transformation and, and growth. And I look forward to seeing you um, take take the next steps into your version of Phi. And, and thank you for, for being willing to share a nice case study for other people looking to follow in your footsteps. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. I know that you have a lot going on yourself. So to go and share this story with you so I can help others, such a great opportunity. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. <laughs>